Welcome back to the RGC Radio Show here for Saturday, round three. Uh, thanks to uh, Sounder Golf for having us at the clubhouse here. And uh, Dan Davies, Gordon Smart, what's the vibe like today? Pink shorts vibe, Eric Candice Lang. <laughs> These used to be burgundy, um, but they've been through so what many happened? different that, weather systems. That is that just pink. a rough life? Is a that? very rough life, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of stress, a lot of pain. What color are these? A lot these? of heartache. Uh, angry, origin, origin, angry salmon? No, I think it's a sort of um, a pale salmon, mm. I'd it's call it. salmon. The legs are out today, the pipe cleaners are on show. What would the color of food poisoning be? I think a sort of a puce, maybe, with a with a biscuit trim. Mm. Is, that, is that green? Different shades of biscuit, Eric, yeah. is how I would describe <laughs> it. Beige. Yeah. A deep so beige. So for those listening, I was wondering if we could, before we get into the, the golf, you know, talk, I'm, I'm wondering if we can get into town talk. You know, what's the, what have you guys seen? I, I Gordon, you look, what time did you go to bed last night? About 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Local time, it's 10 a.m., so... <laughs> So that's a bit of an early morning. I Got it. I went to bed in 1972. <laughs> <and> I, <came>. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a cultural pilgrimage around St. Andrews last night. Yeah, you um, were out and about. Yeah, I went to Boss Ball's uh, kebab shop last night and okay. waited 48 minutes for a pizza, <laughs> which then didn't arrive. Uh, I went to Vic's nightclub and okay. listened to a little bit of GBX anthems. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. Yeah, maybe don't acquaint yourself with that. Yeah, I mean, I was in bed by 11.30. So yeah, you're a sensible I, man, Eddie. Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah. you know. We went to the Dunvegan and we were asked to leave. Oh. And uh, yeah, just for being a bit exuberant. Right, okay, yeah. fair enough. And then we ended up in Greyfriars, which was a lovely okay. pub. Yeah, fantastic yeah. pub. Um, was there a pub you didn't actually go in in St. Andrews yesterday? No, <laughs> there wasn't, no. Because there is a pub golf course of St. Andrews, isn't there? You can play an 18 pub course yes. around St. Andrews. So did you reach the turn yesterday? Sadly, no, I had to withdraw. It was a no return. <laughs> yeah. That you can get disqualified from that one. <laughs> I was, yeah. But it was a fantastic out. You know what? Yesterday, you know, from Vic's nightclub to on the roof of the Old Course Hotel, we watched all the players come through 17 and 18 from the roof of the Old Course with my father-in-law, the provost, who waved the gold chains and gave us some special access to the hotel. And it was unbelievable, Eric, to see Tiger make his final walk up the 17th on the road home. It was magical. I'll tell you what, the sound of garden yesterday afternoon was absolutely tremendous. I didn't really move a lot from here. We've got the big screen, the sun was beating down, the company was outstanding, the rosé was flowing, and I can't really remember a more enjoyable day I've had of watching golf than I had yesterday. I was surrounded by great people, everybody was smiling, everybody was having fun, and today looks set fair for another one of those. Maybe a little bit rose, l less rosé than yesterday. That's true. Maybe I, just feel a like, bit. I feel like I need to just set the table for people listening, because uh, you know, we, we know where we are, but yeah. you know, to, to if you're listening to this and you're like, what the fuck is the sound? Excuse me. Sorry, I know we have a young man. Charlie, good to see you. <laughs> don't say that word. Um, but, you know, like we're we're like half a block off the first tee in the 18th green. We're in an old hotel that is about to be demolished. It's about to be renovated. Renovated, yeah, yeah. As of Monday, yeah. And it's a bit, how would you describe the hotel as it currently is? Well, I mean, it's, have you seen a series called Faulty Towers? I love that show. John Cleese, is that? A James Day's Basil Faulty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so this is the but Faulty Towers is a show about a about a, a, a hotel that is sort of not a place you'd want to stay in. Is that how a, would you a describe it? A chaotic hotel in yeah. Torquay on the south coast of England. But no, this isn't quite as chaotic. Although there have been moments of chaos, <laughs> um, I've been involved in a few of them. Um, but the garden we're in here, the, the back garden of the Scores Hotel is fantastic. You've got this sort of these tents and marquees and big screens and food and a gin bar and 
I mean, deck chairs and bean bags and rugs. It's just big screens, watching golf. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great place to watch golf. It's yeah. an absolutely great place. And when the sun's beating down, your glass of rosé is full. You've got good chat left and right, behind and in front. And the golf that we saw yesterday, which was just sensational. Yeah. That, to me, is a pretty potent cocktail. Yeah. And the sense of the geography as well, Eric. I think you said it was an eight iron from Dunvegan to the 18th green. Seven pitching iron? Wedge. Pitching, pitching wedge. Pitching wedge. Depends on who you are. So we're For about Harrison, it's a pitching we're wedge. We're a Dan Davies knifed seven <laughs> iron from the edge of the green from, from yeah. where it all happens. Yeah. A bit harsh, but yes, I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Or, or nine dunches. You, you need to get it over the grandstand, though, so I don't know how you're going to do that. Well, I, I did actually notice there's a bit of space under the grandstand, which you suits hit, my ankle you high trajectory. You could a sky driver. You could, yeah. you could get under it, you know, yeah, and just pop it up. Get one right off the toe and just look like <laughs> just below one over the stand. Or, you know, my more favorite shot is a, is a very high-velocity knife, oh, I like that. which obviously would go yeah, at ankle height dangerous. under the stand um, and, and leave me a free shot to the front of the There's the party trick option of facing towards West Sands in the other direction and going for the double hit over the top of yeah, the stand, which you're capable of. That's a crowd pleaser. Uh, all of this programming has been made possible by FanDuel Sportsbook. want to say thank you for allowing us to do everything on earth that we've wanted to do this week mainly interview a bunch of super interesting people around the 150th Open Championship at the Old Course in St. Andrews. Every week you can bet on the PGA Tour using FanDuel Sportsbook, and today you can still sign up for bets this weekend and for Sunday's round. For example, plus 600 for Cam Smith to have a bogey-free round. Interesting. They're saying it's not likely. Cam Smith would say... Maybe also the same thing. But he can't bet on himself, but you can bet on him. You can also bet um, it's unlikely that the winning score will be worse, will be greater than plus 19. So plus 128 odds for the winning score to be worse than minus 19. New customers, you can bet with no sweat. If you don't win, you're going to get up to $1,000 back in free bets using the code RGC when you get started when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Use your no-sweat bet today and pick this year's Open Champion. This is why I like betting on FanDuel is because you get great promotions every day, safe and secure app, and you can get paid fast, which we always like. So see why FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour, and use the promo code RGC. What was the worst shot that you've seen so far in this uh, 150th Open? I think I saw Jordan Spieth um, two days ago, actually, smack one from about 40 yards, a further 40 yards through the green. I yeah. did see that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And also, when I was looking at my betting slip at Seamus Power, I looked up to the big screen and saw him in the Bundai <laughs> and thought, oh, no. sorry, Seamus, that's <laughs> once oh, no. again, yeah, as I lost my mortgage. I, to I, the, saw, I saw Rory with like a maybe a... T- 12 yard chip that ended up 100 feet long you know just didn't check and I was kind of like whoa yeah he tried to play it off the face of the bunker didn't he yeah exactly so I think he tried to take the power out of the shot in the face of the bunker and he he missed it by about 2 inches and it just went fizzing through like a an exocet missile. But, but then he almost makes the 100 footer. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like some of the putting yesterday was unbelievable. Cam Smith hold 237 <laughs> foot of putts yesterday. Is that the stat? The PGA Tour average is 73 foot. Okay. He hold 237 feet of putts, which was just unbelievable. I mean, so on average that's a 12 footer on every hole basically? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. And we <laughs> knew he was a good putter, but yesterday was Do you know his longest putt? His longest putt I do know, which was the putt on 14, I think it was, which was I think 67 foot. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, some of the putting happen. is some. Well, obviously, you know, these guys don't putt on greens this big, but some of the putts that have been hold have been absolutely sensational. I mean, he holds an absolute monster on the first, mm. which. Yeah, we've been looking, the company I work for, Clip, which is this new technology that looks yeah. at golf skill. We've been looking at great shots all week. And the yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. Can, can you, because people listening don't quite know about this. Can you can you explain it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the top? it's, it's a, a new technology that we can rank every single shot and we can tell you how good every single shot is. Based on what? Based on all, all sorts of levels of um, context. So strokes gained will basically tell you you know, start distance and end distance and rate you against the field. We'll, we'll build in course difficulty, course conditions, weather, wind, rain, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, course conditions, green speed, rough length, fairway speed. And then we're able to tell you as a measure between naught and 200, how good a shot is. So naught no, is naught. N-A-U-G-H-T. Yeah, zero. We don't use that. Okay, sorry. Zero. Sometimes. Some zero, zero is the worst possible outcome. Zero. Hitting it out of bounds, losing a ball. 200 is is perfection you know holding holding in one holding from down the fairway we've seen an absolute stack of 200 shots this week can i just ask a stupid question why not 100 100 is what we'd expect from a pga tour player or to a tour standard so 100 is what the, so the algorithms expect of a tour player 200 is perfection so yesterday cam smith had three putts that were in the 190s i mean absolutely extraordinary putting just, just it, it, so, well, so 190 would denote an insane level of difficulty pulled off yeah. to perfection. Yeah, it, it just a shot that you you have no right to play. And can you apply that technology to historical shots? Have you looked? Yeah, back yeah in we, the we we have. We looked at 18 iconic shots from the history of, history of the Open, and we put all that context that I mentioned into these shots, and we researched, you know, the weather conditions, the course conditions, and all that sort of stuff. And we ranked these 18 iconic shots. And the shot that came out top was hit by Tom Morris Jr. in 1870 at Presswick. And he edged out Tiger Woods, who in turn edged out Gene Sarazen, who had a hole in one in 1973. So, so they all had 200 shots. But we measure, you know, we, we show that as a whole number, but we're able to measure its decimal places. And it came out on top. So t tell me about the young Tom shot. It's a, what was it? He, he hit a clique 200 yards for his third shot on the opening hole at Presswick. In 1870, the first hole at Presswick was about 570-odd yards long, which is probably, like, further than those guys went on holiday in those days, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, so he's, he's hit a clique off the first. It's gone whatever What's it's... What's a clique? Yeah. Sorry. You are, good question. It's some sort of rudimentary wooden club, I'd say. It's, but yeah. hickory, hickory sort of wooden, wooden-headed club. Got you it. know, probably not a driver, but like a probably like a modern-day fairway wood or maybe like a, a u utility or something like that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Th or two iron, yeah, wood. two iron probably, okay. two iron. So it's metal. No, no, it's um, it's a wooden-headed wooden, club, isn't a it? A wooden head, okay. Don't know. I'm looking at I'm looking at Sam here from Sam. the cookie jar. It's like a metal two iron. Metal two iron. Oh. It's a driving iron. It's kind of like a gapper. Okay, so let's Got let's it. call it a driving iron. To Spoon and a click. Like a two arm. Don't ask James. We'll okay. be here all day. Like, like a two arm. <laughs> We're sourcing some crowd information here. It's always good to have the two information. Yeah. Two iron, two iron is a long way back. This is 1870. Well, that, that was the absolute 16? 1870. 70. So that's the outer limit of how, how far he could hit the ball. So he's 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 laid up in, in two shots, which was what they did on the first hole. And sorry, he hit it with a ball that he made that's filled with feathers. Or is it's a, still, gutty, a gutty ball. Yeah, okay. gutty ball. So 200 yards was the absolute outer limit of what he could hit distance-wise. And the third hole, that this was before par had even been invented, but you know the notional expectation for top players to complete that hole would be six shots. Yeah. 
and he holds out his third for what is, you know, would be a modern day albatross from 200 yards. So awesome. Which is, you know, if you think about, we're judging those shots on contemporary tour standard and with the equipment he was using, with the, on the conditions that he was playing in, you know, no, no machinery keeping the course good or anything like that. So yeah, he came out on top, which is a fantastic story. And we've been, we've been ranking great shots all week. Hovland's yesterday was a perfect 200. The, um, yeah. the second shot he hit at 15. Uh, which he hold out for eagle, and then there was just a whole host of 199s. I mean, some of these monster putts. Um, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick had a 197 on the 16th, which was a 57-foot putt. Cam Smith had a 198 on 14, and that was 64-foot that putt. Right. And we looked at your data from your round at St Andrews oh, as well. Geez. So we, we I, hit, can, I hit a couple of good shots. You did hit a couple of good I, I'm, shots. I'm going to try and guess what my best shot was. Go on. I think it was my second shot on 17. Well, you know what? We've only looked at the front nine, ah. so I can only tell you the front nine. <laughs> Very good. I haven't I, seen the back nine yet. I've been too busy drinking rosé. There's a lot of shots to analyze on the front. Let's talk about the front nine, Eric. Oh, uh, man, I don't know. That's a good question. Your best shot was best your 10-foot putt for par on nine. Right. But actually, uh, actually, your best shot, I think, was your chip on the second. Oh, yeah, that, was, that, was, uh, that felt good, too. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a very good shot. You that was a, also still early in the day, so I was you know a bit more optimistic. You scored 151 for that shot. Okay. So 100 being tour standard. Any of those guys out there today would be very happy They'd with 151 with shot. shot. Yeah. I mean that right there sort of I think underscores why one of the most magical parts of golf is you can play where the pros play, but you can also hit a shot yeah. that they would take. Yeah. What what we, what clip shows you is that is that you can hit those shots. You just don't hit them very often. <laughs> exactly. Where, the frequency the, is lower. These guys, you know, their average shot quality across a round, Cameron Young was 120. Oh, I was going to ask that. Cumulative, so the average is 120. I, mine must be like yours, 60. Yours for the front line was 84. 84. Which Not is bad. actually Good. what you'd expect That's from a six handicapper. better than my GPA in high school. Yeah. That's exactly what you'd expect from a six handicapper. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm not lying. No, you're not lying. Everyone thinks I'm lying about my no, handicap. you're not lying. It's you, a little bit of vanity, but it's okay. We can talk about that later. So that was, um, yeah, you, you drove the ball very well. You drove the ball, your average off the tee was 102, which is, you know, better than tour standard. You were hitting the ball over 300 yards on the front nine. Yeah. So and then the back nine happened. I have, need, I have to look at the back nine, I must say. I'm going to stop drinking rosé and look at the back yeah. nine. This I'd like to know more about the back nine, Dan. Yeah, tell us what happened on the back nine. Come the on, wind switches, you know? Right. It goes from left to right, and all of a sudden, the cutter starts to feel like a slicer. Yeah. You know? It's a psychological thing. Yeah. But you did beat 90. Uh, well, yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. But, you know, it's sort of like, I think somewhere around the sixth hole, I felt like I was going to break 80, and that was just the kiss of death, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Who did is it that says that they hate to birdie the first hole? We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? No, I don't remember. Yeah. Ian Woosnam. Ian Woosnam. Really? Don't birdie the first. I don't. I think it's a terrible idea. What, making a birdie on one? I'll take a birdie anyway. Rory McIlroy's followed that assiduously through his career. <laughs> yeah. I must not birdie one. I must not birdie on one. one. Yeah, do not put it close. Whatever you do, don't make a birdie on one. Dan, have you applied Clips technology to my night out last night? I think... <laughs> yeah, what was the quality of Gordon's shots? Well, you're, in looking at traditional metrics, your pints gained <laughs> was about plus 9.4. It was an extraordinary performance, generational drinking performance in many ways. That's Almost break the algorithm. <laughs> it's a proud moment. Yeah. So, I mean, yesterday's golf was, yeah. it was just sensational. I mean, Cam Smith putted yeah, two, the lights out. Two Aussies on top of the leaderboard. What do you make of that? 
Well, I think it's interesting, didn't he? He came in afterwards and he was asked about playing on the sandbelt courses. And, yeah. you know, it requires a similar level of precision ball striking, a similar level of precision and creativity around the greens. And, and we know that Cam Smith has certainly got the latter. His off the tee was great yesterday. He, he drove it really well. He put himself in position. And every time he gave himself a putt, he seemed to make it. I mean, 29 putts, it doesn't sound like a lot round here, but the greens are so big and they're yeah. putting from long distance so much. To not have a three putt and then to, to have seven one putts, including some absolute monsters. Yeah. I mean, it's great to watch. And then, you know, the, the leaderboard has just got so much quality at the top of it. Yeah, we'll say, going back to our show yesterday, I saw Cam Smith uh, last night uh, getting a ride home. And he looked like he was on a tranquilizer at that point. Yeah. Like he just, he was staring out blankly out of the window of the car. Maybe he listened to yesterday's show. I think so. <laughs> I think so. We, we caught up with him on Monday or Tuesday and he was walking into town, you know, with his baseball cap on backwards, t-shirt, pair of jeans. Wasn't that happy to be um, talking to me at that time, but we tried to engage <laughs> him in conversation. He resisted for a while and then gave in. But uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty confident about how he's playing. He likes the course. It just, just fits his skill set. You know, yeah. he's got great short game. Yeah amazing putter and he's, he's banging form i really buy into the emotion of events like this and i don't know if you buy into serendipity and fate and things like that but when i walked up the first when i arrived here the other day the first person i saw was cam smith and i've got this weird feeling that he will be the last person i see lifting the claret interesting I, d I don't know if you believe in that kind of thing but i think there's some he's my, my money's gone on him which means he's going to finish about eighth now yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's going to absolutely implode over the weekend <laughs> yeah we did a uh, we did a podcast with Cam the week before the players. Right. Yeah, and so I sent him when he after he won, you know, I sent him like an invoice, like an appearance fee thing, because <laughs> I figured I should get some of that money, you know. <laughs> and uh, he hasn't responded yet, but <laughs> how know, did you find him? By this logic, Colin Montgomery would win the Open this year, which is strange. <laughs> yeah. How did how did we find him? Yeah, was he a good guy? Oh yeah, he's just uh, he's just one of these, um, you know, he's, he's not really interested in the fuss. Yeah, he's just really interested in the game. Yeah, and he's good at it. And uh, and you know, I think I, I always I've spent a lot of time around these guys as you guys have, and and I really look at the uh, the measurement of character as how you treat someone who has nothing to offer you. And I have nothing to offer Cam Smith, but just some talk for a little bit, and you know, he's just very like. Um, you know, generous. He seems like a genuine guy. I mean, I've never spoken to him, but he seems like a genuine guy. And I, yeah. I think he's a great player to watch because he's he's slightly quirky still. He's not he's not you know one of these you know cookie cutter swings. He's got a bit of individuality to it. And just around the greens, it's fantastic to watch. He's got every single shot and more. And I think to your point, I mean, you've played sandbelt in Australia, haven't you? I've never never played on the sandbelt there. It's one of my bucket list things to do. But you know, I just think that the turf here is very similar, the, the precision required, yeah. the strike. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, I, I don't remember where we were talking about it, but there is, um, you know, millions of people have padded down this turf, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of been, it's kind of been worked on for a long time. And, and the sand belt, I guess, is, uh, you know, when you were talking about, um, there was something you were saying earlier that was making me imagine these, these, these high skill level golfers being able to almost like mentally imagine the ball bouncing around this turf which is not flat right yeah. it's not like your normal kind of like parkland course where you hit the fairway it's staying on the fairway it's not the case here it's almost like here you need to just imagine all of the ways that the ball's going to move after you hit it which is well that's that's really how tom morris jr was playing in 1870 mm. i mean his ball flight was like a low slinging draw that's what he hit. Interesting. Yeah. So how do you know that? Well, because we spoke to. He was there. I was <laughs> there. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking good. I'm actually 132. 
But I've weathered quite well. Great, man. Yeah. No, but he, you know, we we spoke to historians of the game and archivists and people at Presswick and authors and all this sort of stuff to get as much context about this shot that for this for this study of you know clipped greatest open shots. But he had, he had a low slinging draw, so he was playing the ball on the ground a lot. And you hear about all the players this week are talking about getting the ball down and getting it on the ground, and that's how they can control it more. It's just a totally different way of playing. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, we're the opposite. I wonder, so it's like, but Rory has quite a high ball flight, and, and a lot of these guys do now because of the track man kind of learnings. They're like, oh, get, get it up, get your launch angle up. Um, but that's not really what we're trying to do this week. Well, it's, it's, there's much more of a mixture. There's much more of a premium on being able to hit it, you know, play the ground game, as they call it. I mean, they're still, they're still throwing in shots high. I find that quite interesting from growing up around here. When I first came to London and came to England to play golf, I was amazed by how people played golf because it was completely different from how I was taught to play. You know, people taking out wedges, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Get a five iron out and just knock that and let it run. Well, we grew up, didn't we? That, that, you know, American golf was really, there was a real glamour about it. And for a while, the courses that were built in England and, and Britain, people wanted American-style courses, and now it's flipped around totally, and we're, we're celebrating you know, the great courses we've got, the history of, of the architecture and the, and the links land that we've got here. Yeah. And it's much less emphasis That's on so American-style courses. It's like the Balata golf balls, right, and people trying to land yeah, it. Yeah, wanting backspin back. and you know, yeah. hitting it really high, and because you know, there was a real glamour around those American-style courses, and I think more and more Americans are appreciating that Great Britain has got, without doubt, the greatest golf courses in the world and an absolute ton of them i can't imagine that there would be a time where anyone here would be glamorizing golf over there that doesn't make any sense to me but i guess what's happening is maybe this kind of like is it a naturalist golf are we are we kind of talking about that like the yeah, naturalist I think, I think golf so. movement yeah, like the, sand hills kind of thing there's like, definitely a return to tradition you right. see it with you know all the leading architects that are working today you know the the, the big names in contemporary golf course architecture are all building courses that hark back to the traditions of the game wow and that but in the 80s there were you know a lot of a lot of golf courses in britain you know they wanted that you know perfectly manicured american sort of Gross. look and feel yeah. yeah i had no idea that that was an international like uh, paradigm shift i i thought it was really just in the united states that it was saying okay we we want something like bandon dunes at some point i didn't realize that there was also a feeling over here of like well, you know, it's just, uh, you know, this this grass on the ocean, we could really yeah. do better. Yeah. Well, that's the, kind of the Scottish view of Kingsbarns is quite like that because oh, right. elevated tees, which kind of goes against the grain of Lynx Golf, doesn't it? Where you don't want to see anything in front of you. Yeah, yeah no, wow. but, but Kingsbarns is a... I do love... Great, great I do, course. I do love Carl Phillips, not an American... He is an American. He yeah. is an American. Yeah. Carl, right. I think Kingsbarns is, is an absolutely spectacular place to play golf and, you know... You just can't step out there and see the environment you're playing in and, and, and enjoy it. It's just, a, and it's also, it's just fun. It doesn't beat you up. Yeah. Um, I like but, that. But there are, you know, there's just so many great, great links courses and so many great Heathland courses. And, you know, we've got such a variety of golf courses in Great Britain. And it's great, I think, that it's taken a while, but it's, you know, that this paradigm shift that you talk of, appreciating what we've got and actually other people appreciating what we've got. I have a great question. Impossible open venue. What's it going to be? They'll never host it at this course, but you think they should. Actually, there's a new course not far from here called Dunbarney, which has slipped into my top three in the world, I think. Yeah, that's uh, Clive. Uh, was it? Who, who designed it? I've got no idea. Who owns it? I've got know. no idea. But it's a phenomenal course. Sam knows. Fuck, where'd and it go? For your listeners in America, that's the one, the hidden gem that I would yeah. suggest checking Clive out. Pl Clive Cook, something like that? 
Right. I, I've wanted to go, but it was closed recently. There was doing it something was, there. Yeah. It only opened two years ago, I think, two and a half years ago. It's a fantastic track, and it's set up brilliantly for spectators. I think I know what Dan's going to say. No, I'm gonna, I was going to say I was going to say Rosa Penna actually um, oh, wow. in in Northern Ireland. Uh, I think the second course there, the first course is a sort of old Tom Morris course. I mean, it's absolutely spectacularly beautiful. Tom Doak is just building a third course there at the moment. The the dunes there are just off the scale. It's big. It's, we, it's I was in, just there. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful place. But I think. The second course they built there is one of the hardest courses I've ever played in my life. It's also hella windy. Yeah, it's it's just like it beat me up. It, I still have you know waking <laughs> nightmares. I just wake up screaming in yeah. the night at you know just what happened to me on that golf course on in our the first, wind. Our first day walking around the course and filming, um, the sand was coming up over the dune <laughs> and blowing up into my <laughs> nose. And like, you know, I basically, my teeth were whiter at the end of the trip. <laughs> you got your teeth <laughs> sandblasted. sandblasted. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good. You didn't have it to pay extra for that, really did you? It was really jarring, yeah. yeah. Very appealing to the American market. Yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it, is a, it is a stunningly beautiful place in Donegal, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's, a bit of a, it's a bit off the beaten path. But I think, you know, the open at Port Rush a few years ago was fantastic. It's going back. They had yeah, such it's, a great it's, time. It's great news. And there's so many amazing golf courses, not only in Northern Ireland, but, but the Republic of Ireland as well. It'd be great if we could take it to the Republic of Ireland. So breaking it down then, why do you say, what, qualify your answers, what do you look, what, what makes a good open venue, I guess? Is I like question. to see incredibly talented, very famous golfers being humbled by Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think that's the beauty it's of Scotland it for me. It's Scotland versus yes. human. So you thought you'd come over here. Got it, yeah. got it. Drive the green <laughs> and walk off 20 under yeah. and look at you. You've just gone home. You've not made the cut. I like that. Well, Carnoustie Car did that, didn't it, in 99? Yeah. I mean, that totally like savaged everybody, yeah, and it was it great. Yeah. It's yeah. William Wallace versus every golfer. Correct. Yeah. Is that kind yeah. of... I, got I want to see people crying it. on their private jets. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you lose, they just give you a towel, a napkin, a nappy. Yeah, yeah I got it. Oh, that's a diaper. Anyway. Don't talk about nappies. Don't talk about nappies. <laughs> yeah. talk about nappies. <laughs> we, we got away with that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That is a different that could, subject. That could have been trickier. Uh, <laughs> Mental image expunged. What, what is it for you, Dan, that, that makes a good venue? Um, that's a tricky one. And there's so many aspects of it. Obviously, the course itself, you want holes that I think that people can remember or people are excited about players uh, tackling. You know, obviously, the town itself, and this is why St Andrews is without doubt the greatest open venue, because the event doesn't finish at the golf course, it continues into town. Yeah. And the golf course and the town here are synonymous. You know, you don't get one without the other. Um, so I think, you know, the venue is really important in terms of the, the, the host yeah. town. Um, I agree. And that's one of the strengths of Port Rush as well, isn't it? Yeah, Which I mean, is Port Rush was, town. yeah, I mean, you've got the campsite all the way down the side of the course. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're, you're, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes walk into town, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's strange. You know, it's like at Royal St. George's, great golf course, right? I mean, probably a great open venue, but like, it's almost like without like, you know the the like the waypoint of like the the town itself. Yeah. It's like yeah. hard to get bearings on a lot of these links courses, right? Because like actually, Scotland has an incredible course called Dundonald. Don't know if you yeah, played yeah. that. Yeah, they had the Scottish Open there. Yeah, but they've got a port a cabin pretty much as a clubhouse. <laughs> so yeah. I can't really see. Well, I, mean, I can actually yeah. maybe see Cam Smith in there. Martin Slumbers <laughs> yeah, yeah, emerging yeah, from the yeah. port a cabin. That's actually where he was practicing. Yeah. yeah. In the yeah. But I think that's important as well. Like a really distinctive 18th. I mean, you're not going to get yeah, better yeah. than walking up into the town that you do here, which is remarkable. I think you just want those holes, don't you? That you know, here everybody knows the 17th, everybody knows the first and the 18th. You know, people are starting to learn about the 11th and the 12th are getting more. You know, and and like the course, because we spoke about it earlier in the week, the course becomes 
as much the star of the show as the players themselves. I yeah, don't think that's yeah. the same necessarily with all open venues. I mean, I'm struggling. I mean, Muirfield's a great, great course, yeah, but I struggle to pick out a hole. I'm, I yes. was hoping we I was were going to get to Muirfield, Muirfield because to in a couple yeah. weeks we have another major, yeah. the AIG Women's Open. Are you guys like a lot of different ways to talk about this tournament coming mm -hmm. up? But what comes to your mind first? Well. What comes to my mind first is I'm glad it's been played at Muirfield after Muirfield's history. Yes. You know, in terms Why? of... Why? you think it's just... Like it's well, just, you know, not having female members for years and years and years. And, like, you know, the Women's British Open is, is going to Muirfield, which is fantastic. I also think watching the best women players play is the best education that most club golfers or handicap yeah. golfers can have. For those of you kind of, like, not clear on what happened a few years ago, basically, Muirfield... Uh, you know, home of the oldest golf club in the world, the Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, removed from the open rota because yeah. they wouldn't allow female members, quickly changed their stance. There was a re-vote or something. Yeah. And they, they voted. It was embarrassing. Everyone was embarrassed. Everybody. Yeah. Except for the people that, anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> but they're dying. So yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. change that. And now they're back. And the first tournament they get is the AIG Women's Open. Yeah, you wonder what the discussions were with the RNA about that. It's like, you know <laughs> what, you, your first tournament back is going to be this yeah. one, by the Welcome way. Welcome back. And let them all in the clubhouse. They're yeah. all going to be having lunch. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the RNA has been renovated to put more uh, changing facilities in for female golfers, right? I think so. I've never been inside the yeah. RNA clubhouse. I think I'm yeah. what, lifetime ban. Probably like yourself. <laughs> no, I've been in a number Have of you? times, yeah. What, with the provost? Um, no, not with the Provost, no. Not, my, not with Martin? No, not with Martin, no. He's <laughs> definitely not welcome in there. And I don't think he'd enjoy the picture of the Queen that's uh, hanging on the wall in there, for reasons we won't go into. Um, we did a filmed on there a few weeks ago. We played, we had uh, four amateur, well, three amateurs and one professional uh, lady golfers play, and it was just a wonderful environment to be in, and it felt, it felt like... Um, it felt good, you know, mm. and I'm wondering, so what are you guys looking forward to for that? Are you going to be involved at all? Are you, uh, are you hoping, writing anything uh, down? Hoping to get up there, yeah. We're definitely going to be looking at that in terms of, you know, what we're doing this week. You know, shot clip, shot quality data, mm. lighting up great rounds and really telling the stories of those rounds through their shot quality and player quality. Um, but, yeah, I think I just love watching the women play. I watched Georgia Hall play in the, the champions sort of parade on Monday, and she was out with Tiger, I think it was, um, in the last group, and she's just got a fantastic swing. That was a great yeah. picture she on the Silicon Bridge, wasn't it? She's got a fantastic swing, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, you could watch that all day, and I just think the way the top women players play the game is much more instructive to us mere mortals yeah. than watching these guys, because I'm never going to hit the ball 400 yards plus like yeah. Rory and Tiger's doing on some Well, if you ever. try to swing like them, it's, it's going to result in an injury or a lost ball. Or oh, hospitalization, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Eric, it's, I don't know if you know, the, the guys at Sounder have just opened a shop in um, Korea. Uh-huh, um, yes. Apparently, golf's 50-50, male and female there. Yes. So, you know, they're going to send a lot more clothes over there and design more clothes because the yeah. sport's split straight down the middle. Yeah. I don't know how far away we are. Do you know what the statistics are in Britain? For, I don't know what the statistics yeah. are, but I wouldn't think they're anywhere close to 50-50. Yeah. Well, they're better. I'm sure they're better than the United States. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're actually going to go film in Korea this year because not only is it 50-50 male-female, it's also a much higher percentage of indoor golf. Absolutely. I mean, golf. Sim simulate. I mean, the... Yeah. Probably the large majority of golfers in Korea yeah. spend most of their golfing activity playing indoors on simulators. Yeah. Yeah. You can play the old course a, on the sim. Yeah. Can you? It's yeah. kind of satisfying, actually. Yeah. I don't know if there's a similarity with soccer, but the uh, Euros are on at the moment over here. Yeah. And I think the opening game had 72,000 people there. Women's soccer in America has grown really quickly. Yeah. I, I think there will be a parallel with, with golf in this country. You know, we're, in talking about sims, I'm kind of like thinking about one of my favorite things about the sim is you can play 18 holes and like, you know, 
45 minutes or so. What is going on with a six-hour, 15-minute round? I, thought, I, think, I think Cameron Young was actually clean-shaven when he started his round. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a DJ was, that's for sure. Comes, comes in with a full beard. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's the playing arena. It's a unique... Yeah. It's a unique stretch of land with the double fairways and the double greens, and they're just all these crossover points. But it's 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 too long. I mean, six and a half hours. There's, I mean. there's no way to fix it. Is what was what we're going to look at. Well, right? I don't think there's any way to fix it over the first two days of an open with I a see. field this size. I think it should be quicker today because obviously the field is half. Would they put more gaps into the uh, tee times? Would they would they spread them out? Or I don't think you can with a field that size, can you? If you're seeing off from six twenty through at three o'clock. Yeah. Oh, but is that what today is? Oh no, no. no today. No, earlier in the, in yeah. Yeah. Do so you think today it'll go down? I kind of want to know that. That's the stat no. I'm most interested in. Can you it's, bet on that? It's, it's got to, hasn't it? Really, because yeah. they're playing in two balls rather than three balls. There's yeah. less people out there. It's got to go down. In six and a half hours is ridiculous. I mean, they're they're almost getting in in darkness on the first two days. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's been a great conversation. Is there anything else to go over? Well, I've got to yeah. apologise again for the uh, second show running for the uh, <laughs> absence of my friend Martin Comston, the actor. Who is supposed to grace us with his presence? Yeah, but um, I had to check his pulse this morning when I woke up. <laughs> These are wireless microphones. We could go to him. Sure, we, we could go knock. Should we his try door. and sort of shock him back into life? Yeah, <laughs> clear. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so apologies. Uh, Do you yeah. think he might make an appearance tomorrow? Um, it's no. questionable. <laughs> what What would you have asked him? What would you have talked to him about if he were here? We so could, he's we could a, try to have a conversation. He's in a program uh, called Line of Duty, which is okay. the biggest or the most viewed drama in Britain in the last 25 years. So I think 24 million people watched the last episode of his last show. Okay. And the big question is, will it come back for another series? And we would have broken that exclusive. But do you know the answer? Here? Well, well he's, gotta be, yes. he's probably drunk enough to tell you. Yeah, that's um, good. That's good. And I think that's the kind of thing we could take advantage of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we deserve that. If he was awake. If he was, if he was conscious. If he had a pulse. <laughs> should, we just, should we just say that it is? Well, Eric, listen, break the story. Yeah, do you know this? Listen, I can't confirm or deny whether or not he was. This just in. I just got a text from Martin. He said, it's coming back. Good news, people. Line of Duty is back. You heard it here first. You heard it, yeah, there you go. And in fairness, it's a good punishment for not turning up <laughs> by chucking yeah. him under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> this might actually benefit him because if it's not coming back, yeah. but we announce that it is, what are they going to do? Put Eric Anders Lang as the, main, <laughs> the leading role. <laughs> it's going to uh, have a golf theme. <laughs> hey, if there's a script, I'll read it, you know. Um, that's fantastic. Well, what memories have stuck out to you? You know, we, we watched Tiger kind of wave over this Wilkin Bridge. First of all, for the record, that's not his last time playing at the old course, right? We're going to just agree on that right now. He's going to he's going to play at the old course again, whether whether he whether he competes or contends or anything like that. He's going to play here again. Yes. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Okay. Good. Because like, I can't put it in a drawer and lock it. Yeah. No. Can't do it. What do you remember from your like uh, career of uh, commenting and thinking and watching and fanning out watching Tiger play? Oh, I can give you an emotional answer and then a really controversial one. Okay. Oh. Uh, wow. So the emotional answer was. When he won the silver medal in 1995, yeah. So yesterday, without getting too emotional about it, sitting with my father-in-law, watching him walk up the 17th, and then over the Swilkin Bridge, which was possibly the last time. We know it's not the last time, but that was really magical, having seen him in 1995. And if you remember, everybody was talking about this guy. 
So, and, and again, before internet, before social media, before you had the chance to see this guy, there was a story about him before you'd set eyes on him in the flesh, which was quite remarkable, really. It was like the Chicago Bulls always talk about that. Why were young Scottish kids wearing Michael Jordan tops when you couldn't watch it on TV or engage in any way in basketball? And he sort of transcending the sport in the same way was magical. So 95, that was incredible. But the controversial answer, Eric, as a former tabloid journalist, Tiger Woods is the biggest missed story of my life. Biggest miss story. Miss story, yeah. I got a tip off from a guy who said Tiger Woods has just smashed up a hotel in Scotland. You might want to look oh, into yeah, it. I, I think that. I think things are going horribly wrong for him. So we got a photographer to go and uh, be ready for him arriving back in America. So he arrived back in America and about two hours later, his car was smashed up by his ex-wife with a seven iron, I think, wasn't it? I do remember that. And yeah. um, the guy we sent to do those pictures for us decided not to give us the story and sold it to the National Enquirer, whoever it was, for about two million quid. Wow. So it was the... Big moment it all went wrong, I missed the story because right. I was stitched up by a photographer in Florida. So that's my controversial version, if you yeah. want. And that's part of the story, right? It's part of the fabric of his story. Yeah. He's, he's come back as a better person, I think, though, hasn't he? I mean, I, I remember the first time I ever saw him or heard him hit a golf ball was the 1999 Ryder Cup at Brookline. And I hadn't seen him play before that in the flesh and the noise it made off the club face and at the side, you know when you get that... Yeah. It just made a different sound. And yeah. it was just, God, this guy has taken the game forward. You know, we talked about John Daly and, and what he meant and like how he'd sort of pushed the needle or moved the dial, whatever you call it. But like what Tiger's done has been absolutely extraordinary. And I think for me, one of the other, I saw him win, complete his career Grand Slam here in 2000, saw him win the Open in 2005 here. But for me, his performance at Hoylake in 2006 on a completely baked out Lynx course. And he played, his strategy that week was completely different to anybody else in the field. Mm. He took irons off the tee, he laid himself back in the fairway, he hit so many shots from long distance because he was so confident in his, in his ability, his skill, his ball striking, and he absolutely decimated the field. And I just think that was, for me, in a week, a, an encapsulation of his total dominance. He was, you know, it's just, just a sensationally good player. It's always a great sport measuring yourself against the greats. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Grove in London, near Watford, the uh, golf course there. Okay, yeah. And I think it might be the 16th, and there's a plaque on the fairway where it says Tiger Woods drove a, th a three wood here. Yeah. And you've taken three to that point. Yeah. <laughs> right. And every time it's a reminder that you're well off the pace yeah. and will never match his genius. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I got into golf after your miss story gordon right like i I, yeah. I wasn't i didn't really know anything about it and in fact on some level like his his whole like drama was in a way like what made me think of golf as not being what i thought it was which was kind of um straight laced you know and so i was like oh there's like there's some drama going on that's kind of interesting you know and like i don't know that was something about the idea that golf wasn't so perfect yeah um and then to see him to basically be a golfer only through the period of time where he's like working his way back um, and uh, you know learning about I remember at some point I learned that his mother uh, was a practicing Buddhist you know yeah and I, and I remember my one of my one of my most embarrassing moments in my life was being a, a member of the media and being in the kind of scrum in the media kind of Q&A after the round and I I had this like long question that I had scripted in my head that I was gonna get to Tiger and it was basically, the question was something along the lines of, Tiger, based on your mother's experience as a Buddhist, has that affected you as a person? 
Wow. Yeah, good luck, right? Like, yeah. you know, to, and I didn't know at the time the tactics was the, answer to the that? king of like avoiding any yeah. real question. And so, and here I am, like I was like, you know, younger, much younger than a lot of these other media members who are all grizzled. You know, the, the carnival had been to town many years before I had shown up. And so I finally just, and it's a yell out. Like, it's not like a, you next. It's not, it's so, it's so I'm just yell out my question and Tiger just, just goes. Just shouted, <laughs> So I yell out my question and he goes, what? <laughs> and I had to ask it again. And um, I asked it again. I said, Tiger, you know, based on your mother's experience as a Buddhist, did that, did, that, did that shape kind of who you are as a person? And he goes, yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I played pretty well today. And, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And that was really my first experience with like kind of like his mental game. If but you he, think about it, but like he, he wasn't gonna go. He wasn't gonna go anywhere near, and that's just him driving his own consciousness, which is kind of interesting. Mm. I mean, I think he's he's come through all that as a much more relatable, seemingly Absolutely. rounded human being, and that's fantastic for the game. And obviously, you know, the redemption of that win at the Masters when he you know he made it number fifteen, everybody bought into that because he seemed to be a nicer, more approachable, more human human being. Than yeah. he was because all the way through his prime, he was utterly unapproachable. Yeah, he didn't say anything. I mean, his agent's favorite word was no. All Mark Steinberg said was no to people. Yeah, and that seemed to be the whole ethos around Tiger. You know, unbelievable brilliance on the course, but totally unknowable off it. I, I still think that him having to go out and do that press conference and basically self-flagellate himself after everything that happened, I just thought that was ridiculous. You know, mm. it's not the he's not the first person to have you know, being unfaithful or whatever else. And for him to sort of have to have to apologize on behalf of the whole of golf, I thought was was ridiculous. Mm. But I watched him at Port Rush. I had luckily to watch him for 18 holes at Port Rush in his second round. I mean, he missed the cut there as well, but I went out and I had an, a press armband. I watched inside the ropes and that was a true privilege. Yeah. He shot, you know, he didn't make the cut. He shot 69 or something like that. But just to watch that guy at work when his body was broken and he was in pain and to to still put it all on the line and try with every single shot and produce moments of absolute brilliance. You know, it was, uh, he's just been incredible for the game and he's a, he's a generational player. It's interesting because those words actually apply to you as well. Very much so. Body's broken. Yeah. <laughs> really bad for the game, really bad at the game. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Missed the cut. Questionable <laughs> private life. In life, <laughs> yeah. Missed the cut, missed the boat. Would you want to be Tiger? No. No. No, actually, what am I talking about? Yes. <laughs> that's just absolute nonsense. Yes. Yes. Why? Because his body's in better shape than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. I, yeah. don't, I don't think I could say yes. I'd like to be Tiger for a day. One day. Yeah, I mean, just to know what it feels like to hit those shots. Mm. Yeah, just one day. I, I mean, I'd, what I'd really love is to have Seve Ballesteros' short game for just to borrow it right. for one day. I, I, you know, I could still be like an unmanned hose off the tee. <laughs> you know, the sort of like... Ball <laughs> flying everywhere. I've never thought of that. But just, a, just a good image. Just yeah. to have Seve's hands, his short game, his creativity, just for one day would be just yep. be such a treat. Like a speedboat without a driver. Yeah, I mean, you know what my short game's like? It's like trying to park a car with two wheels. Yep. <laughs> one front left, the other back right. Yeah. Like a crazed dog chasing a balloon on wet lino. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for the uh, thanks for the morning show again. To episode three complete. I'm excited to come back tomorrow and discuss. Uh, what's going to happen on Sunday? Yeah, Martin. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The we're enigma gonna, that is Martin. We're going to get him conscious or unconscious. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Oh man, all my flights have been cancelled, Eric. 
Really? Yeah, so I think I might just move in to the Scores Hotel. Uh, have yeah. you seen what the trains are saying? I've got to get the train back on Monday, and they're saying it's going to be so hot <laughs> that the lines, the, the tracks are going to melt. <laughs> You're built for I've, those conditions, I've, I've, I've got to go from Scotland to the southwest corner of England. Dan and I were at Glastonbury Good. once, and I watched you simultaneously roll the joint. Oh, thanks. Be, be, uh, well, it's legal, whilst, isn't it? Whilst being sick into your own hands. <laughs> and then shortly afterwards into your pocket. <laughs> And you asked me to hold your drink. Yeah, <laughs> it was moving around so much. Yeah. <laughs> the Hattie Jakes, the shakes. Yes. Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> I've grown considerably as a human being, as a man, since those he heady can days at Glastonbury. Can we recreate the Tiger Woods press conference with Dan Davies today? <laughs> no oh comment. Gosh. Please don't. Yeah, anything else? I think this is my last show, Eric. Oh, wait, what's I happening? Say thank you so much. Should I hear tomorrow? Me. Well, I've got to try and get back. I'm on radio tomorrow morning, apparently. Oh. So I need to go and replace my voice box and uh, have a full blood transfusion. That's easy. <laughs> that should be easy and to Keith, do around here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Keith Richards' clinic. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for having me, Eric. It's yeah, well, pleasure. thanks for being with us for three days. Who's going to replace you? You're irreplaceable. Yeah, yeah the Provost of Fife um, is coming to join you for okay, the good. We have some. Show. I have some stories I'd like him to tell. <laughs> That's good. Right, so it was a good, good Saturday morning. Thanks, Eric. Cheers, Thanks. Eric. Thanks.